Anyone not marching to their tune, they call it treason. Everyone says God is on his side. See the lightning, hear the cries of the wounded in a world in holy war. Mortal thunder from the skies, killing everything they say they're fighting for. And welcome to the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Anderson County is getting ready for the arms race as everybody scrambles to get vaccines in people's arms to fight this COVID-19. And South Carolina continues to experience hiccups in getting the vaccine out. And it's easy to see locally that uh, it's just short of chaos in some cases, especially for the older citizens. You are listening to the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. And this weekend, we had begun offering the vaccine to those over 70, but they had to go online to the somewhat arcane MyChart website to register, often needed a code, and it was something completely out of the purview of about 80% of the population over 70 in Anderson County. So the ones who did get in there, uh, which apparently happened pretty quickly, they filled up all the slots, had to get help from kids or grandkids to do it. Uh, A vaccine event at the Civic Center that was announced after all the 500 spots were already filled or virtually uh, announced after that, that that was really sort of an odd thing. And so many of the elderly citizens now are scrambling to call Ingalls or other commercial sites and hoping to get an appointment for a vaccine. I know at least uh, three folks in this age group who have tried to call their primary care physician only to be told that the doctors couldn't help them. But there is a path to uh, get a vaccine through the CDC via your local doctor. So call them and tell them that because a lot of them don't seem to know how to navigate it. One bright spot is that many of our frontline workers have already received both parts of the two-part vaccine, especially our nurses and doctors. But I have talked to a number of these in the medical community, and they say that, yeah, they're glad they got the vaccine, but they are mentally and physically exhausted. Uh, The long days and full hospitals with uh, almost half the beds or more full of COVID-19 patients, coupled with the amount of time it takes to help those patients, has created a de facto staff shortage and left nurses and doctors completely overworked and exhausted and just the verge of burnout. And the pandemic has highlighted many of the shortcomings of our for-profit medical system, which until the past year has been watched these giant corporations trim staffs and services to increase profit margins. And there are better approaches to this, but today's podcast is not long enough to discuss those. We'll get into that later. EMS and other county workers are... Uh, who face riskier than average days, uh, such as law enforcement, are also getting the vaccine. And Anderson County is eager to get more and more people with the vaccine in their arms, as Rusty Rusty Burns, Anderson County Administrator, told me recently. It feels like the pandemic is still eating into the time and energy of a lot of stuff in the county, and council just passed an emergency ordinance. Remind people about that ordinance, what it does and what it doesn't do. What it does is put a halt on Anderson County governmental meetings. The only ones that we will be having will be council meetings in order to maintain the function of government. Planning commission meetings and all other meetings associated with county government are on hold. This does not affect anybody in the public because we've had people call up here and said, can we meet? And I said, this has nothing to do with you. The other thing it does is it gives us a little more uh, wiggle room to do some things. The Anderson County Library 
has gone back to curbside pickup only. And other buildings... And their own line, obviously. And their own line, and, 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 and they're full service, you just can't go in the building. So we have that going on, and we're also being extra careful. We're making some different modifications, specifically at summary court or magistrate's court. Uh, we're going to create a COVID courtroom, if you will, but even that was put on hold because the Chief Justice last week really limited the amount of court you could have in circuit court, magistrate's court, and all courts. So that's they're going to still be able to maintain, but with a whole slew of new restrictions. So most citizens won't notice a lot of difference. I know you mentioned meetings and the Planning Commission can get pretty crowded and zoning can get pretty crowded sometimes. Yeah, but we were trying to clear those out, get a lot of things done so that we could have this brief pause and not affect anything. And I think we've been 90% successful on that. So other than what you just mentioned, the library and those meetings, most citizens won't notice much difference. No, no. If, if things turned even worse, and I don't know that anybody's expecting them to get much worse after the Christmas, are there future plans or that's just wait and see? Or? That's wait and see. We're hoping that we'll have some vaccine rolling out here pretty quick. Uh, Anderson County is partnering with ANMED, and it's a wonderful partnership. They have offered to do uh, vaccinations for our Tier 1 people, or A1 as they call it in the jargon, so our EMS workers deputies, firemen, people like that on the front lines can go ahead and get that vaccination. And so that process has started. We're waiting. Well, they started getting those now? Yes. We're waiting on DHEC, which allegedly will be around January the 15th, that we will be receiving vaccine and we can begin doing vaccinations. Again, it's on that tier level. And right now we're working through A1. And then we will get to uh, uh, second level AB which uh, we're not there yet. <clears throat> but I can tell you that they have already begun doing vaccinations in assisted living and nursing homes in Anderson County. So that process has already started. So, and that went smoothly. I know of several where they've gone in and completed the first round. But as you know, the first round does provide some protection, not maximum 95% protection, but it does provide some. So you're seeing that happen. But you're also seeing the number of people getting COVID <clears throat> has not slowed down, and uh, that is very troublesome. And I think what is interesting is that now, at least I'm hearing about, through personal circumstances, younger people coming down with it and it not working out very well. So everybody should wear a mask. Everybody should wear a mask. Stay away from people, six feet if you can. Follow the protocols, wash your hands as much as possible, and protect your own life and protect your life of those <clears throat> that matter to you and perfect strangers for that matter. I mean, we had a very, in my family, we had a very restricted Thanksgiving and an ultra res uh, restricted Christmas. And so we're trying to do that. Was it fun? It was absolutely not fun. As, as a matter of fact, it was sad. It was sad and it didn't do us any good, but we all understood that that's what we needed to do, so. Well, this part of the country, uh, this part of the state, it leads the world in per 100,000, I understand now. So somebody's not being careful. Well, somebody's not staying home and not doing... There's three simple things that you can do, and this is not going away at the end of January or February or March. It's going to continue on. 
And so the, the vaccines are our best hope right now. I would say the vaccines are our best hope, but that's a, that is a way away. Have we had a lot of county employees out? Has that been significant? No, but we have some, and we have some uh, who have been in the ICU. So we are not immune, and we're taking all precautions, wearing masks, and doing everything we can to keep uh, our uh, fellow co-workers safe, plus the general public. It's interesting this year that usually on January, before January 1st, you have a slew of people going to pay their property taxes. This year, everybody was doing it online, and Jason, our Anderson County Treasurer, has waived the fees associated with using your credit card. And so, I mean, there was very few people paying their property taxes online. I mean, in person, they were doing it online, and I thought that was wonderful. And the deadline's the 15th for the last yes. the latecomers. There's still yes. no, no extension on the deadlines. No, not at this point in time. Uh, did, did the self-insurance uh, work pretty well this year with COVID? It worked very well this year. We have uh, got the first year under our belt. There are some tweaks that we need to do to bring the cost down and... Uh, Really, it was a learning experience the first year. I think we're more knowledgeable now, and I think coming this year we'll even be more knowledgeable, but it seemed to have worked very well. Has your experience been good with it? I absolutely love it. I mean, I absolutely love it to death. And, you know, we have the still you can have the standard insurance, so you can go to direct access. And I chose the direct access route, and it's worked out wonderfully well for me and my family. And it uh, it continues to hang heavy over the entire country. And, of course, our county is, is feeling it um, as we join the rest of the upstate here in South Carolina of having the highest infection rates on the planet, positive rates on the planet. So things are serious. Uh, people still are not taking it as seriously as we would hope by this time. And one of those reasons is obvious uh, that we keep getting these high numbers and increase as, as of today when I recorded this, uh, almost half the hospital beds at AnMed are full of COVID patients, and about uh, 10% of those that are in there are on ventilators. And every, every at every turn I see, at least about 25% of the people I see don't wear face masks, no facial coverings, no protection. I do think these numbers might be shrinking a little bit, and we may be better than some other parts of the country, but I, I've noticed a lot of people just flaunting the face thing, and I've heard people arguing in stores and restaurants about it. And among those that are wearing face coverings, I would think about another quarter of those have them pulled below their noses uh, for whatever reason, which renders them completely useless against not only getting the virus, but spreading the virus. And these people, particularly those who are working in places who have the, the mask pulled below their nose, might as well just take them off because it's giving people in themselves a false sense that they're doing something and they're actually not. County Council, uh, as we mentioned, did pass an emergency ordinance, which lasts for 60 days, 61 days. But other than that, which was a wise move, to limit public meetings, it didn't do a whole lot else. It stopped short of a mask requirement countywide. They're leaving it up to the townships, but there are so many places in the county that aren't part of townships that uh, would be served well by a mask ordinance. But I think that uh, they're worried about enforcement, and I do think there's a political reluctance there too um, among some members of the council. Uh, but meanwhile, we and county council did welcome a new member recently. And he's somebody I've known for quite some time. I knew his grandfather, Terry McCoy, quite well. And I know his father. And John Wright Jr. will be a good councilman.
Kind of remind people again why you ran for council and what, what this means to you and what your goals are in the year ahead. Yes, sir. No, it's a really special opportunity for me. This is something that I had um, thought about for some time. And uh, really, you know, when the opportunity came about, I felt like the timing was right. And uh, as somebody who grew up here in Anderson, specifically in District 1, um, you know, it was something that I really wanted to pursue to make Anderson the best version of itself that it can be. You know, I believe we've got a tremendous uh, base here in Anderson. We've got a lot of good things going for us and my goal is to really maximize that and build on that and um, Help continue to recruit wonderful companies and wonderful people um, that makes Anderson County so special And you're friends with Craig Wooten. Yes, sir. Yep. Do you think yep. he's gonna be a good resource for you coming in? I do. Uh, Craig and I have a great relationship. We've actually already met and spoken a couple times um, I've, I've you know gonna continue to glean knowledge from him somebody who's kind of been there done that um, you know, not to not to just kind of fall in line with what he did, but at the same time to kind of gain some wisdom from him and, and help direct me along the way. So I'm certainly excited about that, particularly early on, to have him as a resource. What, what are the challenges of your district here? I mean, it's a growing district. It is. It is. I mean, you know, it's kind of a um, it's kind of an interesting uh, situation because I overlap a lot of the city, you know, district as well. And so I think the the partnership there is so critical and important to be able to uh, work alongside uh, the city and their council as well um, to make sure that you know, District 1 thrives, continues to thrive, because we don't have some of the issues I think that some of the other districts have because a lot of it is, is built out and a lot of it um, has seen the growth over the last several years where some of the others are just now hitting that point. Um, but I think we have, a, we have a charge to continue to grow appropriately and grow the right way, and so I think that's something that um, I can bring to District 1 is to, is to have a plan and execute on that. And how, how do you plan to be accessible to your constituents? How can people contact you? You know, cell phone, email. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm not somebody, I have no secrets. I've got my cell phone and my email address out there. I'm always available to talk to people um, and always willing to hear what they have to say. Uh, I think that's a big part of what this position is all about is hearing people and, and hearing them out and not always having to agree with them um, or them agreeing with you, but at least knowing where you're coming from and why you feel the way that you do. We have a good county council right now. John's replacing Craig Wooten, who is a really good councilman. He will be missed. I wish there was some way both those men both those men could serve together, but they're in the same district, so that's impossible. But like I said, I've been covering council since home rule, basically, and this is a, a good council, and, and we are getting some younger members. And it is good to see that, and it's good to see that participation in government, and I wish John well, and I wish this council well as they get ready to... Um, Hard as it is to believe, start working on the 21-22 budget for the county, and they're facing a lot of challenges this year budget-wise until they know how much money is going to be coming in from the state and how much more damage the, the pandemic is going to do. But over the past few years in our county, another very bright spot has been the Anderson County Library. And the library had returned to curbside online service this past week, as we just mentioned earlier, and Rusty, Rusty mentioned in that interview. And the, the chief librarian, director of the library, Faith Line, and her staff have done an excellent job, not only for, for the last several years, but over the past year, serving the public from offering digital library cards to people who didn't have a card. And if you didn't have a library card, what, what have you been doing? Uh, to delivering books to your car, all you got to do is get a library card, make a phone call, and order them, and they'll bring them out to your car. Just all sorts of things they've done to try to continue to serve the public. As I said, over the past few years, this library has been recognized as the finest in the state with Faith and Annie Sutton and Brianna McDonald and some of the others I've worked with. They've always been helpful to the patrons and to the Anderson Observer when I needed their, their assistance. And my lifelong love of libraries continues to, uh, to grow, and I really appreciate the work they're doing there. And what they do just reminds me why I've always loved libraries. And I do regularly download audiobooks and Kindle books. And if you're a reader and are not taking advantage of this, you really are missing out. 
And the pandemic uh, has also uh, led to the suspension of most in-person court appearances, except in emergency situations. And so everybody should be feeling the effects of this somewhere up and down the line, and it is going to have an impact, uh, continually economic impact. It's also led the city of Anderson to extend their mask ordinance for another 60 days, and I suspect it will be extended for a much longer period soon. The city of Anderson has been aggressively leading the way and actively fighting the virus in this way by uh, after an initial sort of bump when they for, declined to pass the first vote on the mask ordinance. But since then, after they passed that ordinance, they've been uh, really clear on that and other measures to do what they can do to keep numbers down as much as possible. And I, I'd like to see the cities and the townships and the councils continue to work together to do as much as they can to uh, to keep these numbers down. I know Mayor Terrence Roberts had to move his annual online Martin Luther King breakfast to virtual only this year, and they did. They honored uh, this year with their Pathfinder Award. Uh, Anderson has, the county has some solid mayors and managers in place. I've met with almost all of them over the last few weeks and feel good about their commitment and strategic uh, plans for the community and our towns in the county. Uh, as I said, Mayor Terrence Roberts continues his leadership in Anderson, and I think that if more of his vision were adopted, the city would move ahead even faster. Uh, Frank Crenshaw, the mayor of Pendleton, whom I grew up with, has done a really excellent job in Pendleton. He's also worked with a very good town council to keep Pendleton's distinctives of small town life in place, while for the first time finding ways to expand the town's tax base and to annex some property. And that's a very special thing. Uh, Blake Sanders' vision for West Pelzer as mayor has helped establish that town along a highway into a walking community where people really want to live and engage with each other. Um, it's become a real community feel there. Uh, his deep commitment uh, to the county and community planning can be seen all over the place in Anderson, and since that is what his professional expertise is in. And you'll soon see a lot of his work and his cooperative effort with, with uh, Representative Wes Anderson and Anderson County Councilman Jimmy Davis on the Dolly Cooper project. Meanwhile, Pelzer Mayor Will Raglan, and he now finally has a full slate of town council members. They're moving ahead with a new town logo and a new way to promote their town, a new energy. Um, Raglan, who's also head of the Milltown Players, is actively at work on a lot of improvements in Pelzers and parks. If you go over there, you can see a lot of stuff that's going on there. Same is true over in Williamson, where Williamson's new mayor, Rocky Burgess, who brings his experience for years on town council, the mayor's office, and he also has a lot of experience in being from that community. He has his own business there and his own business approach to making his town a better place to work and live. Uh, Honeypath Mayor Christopher Burton is also working to make his town a better place through a series of initiatives aimed at improving some of the old sites that needed some work there and economic development and other areas there. He's energized about that. Same I could say is true of the Iva Town Manager Tim Taylor, who I met with, and he said, talked about the town being in a great location that a lot of people don't think about Iva as just a short car trip from Anderson, Greenville, Lawrence, Greenwood, and the lakes uh, all down that way. And he is hoping to bring in new housing and some new businesses to the Iva area. And he's working there, obviously, with Mayor Bobby Gentry and the others. Uh, like I said, I interviewed each of these mayors recently, and those videos of those interviews can be found on the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust YouTube channel. So you can look them up there if you want, if you missed them. And this series of uh, scheduling conflicts that have popped up have prevented a similar interview with Belton Mayor Tiffany Owenby, but hopefully we'll get that worked out soon, and I'll, I will uh, post my interview with Mayor Owenby, and we can talk about what's going on in the town of, Bel town of Belton, because I know they're very busy. 
Uh, speaking of busy in, in Belton, the Belton Museum's exhibit, Expedition, a Natural History Adventure from Around the World, has been underway for several weeks now. It's a pretty cool up-close look at animals from all over the globe, lions, giraffes, uh, just just about anything, bears, thing, anything you can think of is in there. It's hopefully going to be a precursor and sort of a preview of what's going to come if everything works out and the new South Carolina State Museum of Natural History opens in Belton on a new site. That's been a little bit slowed by the pandemic. So uh, that that's another good thing going on in Belton that you might want to check out. Now, meanwhile, in Anderson Paws, that's the Anderson County's animal shelter, if you didn't know that, I think everybody probably knows that, at this point has faced a really challenging year. It started out with a break-in at the facility where more than $35,000 in damage and property stolen was reported. And just when they were about to get that taken care of, the pandemic hit, which limited volunteers and other things. And I talked to the Paws director, Kim Sanders, Dr. Kim Sanders, recently, and here's what she had to say about what's going on there and what they're hoping to ha happen this new year. Our year started out with a, a break-in, so we had someone that um, came into the facility through a, through a broken window and just ransacked the shelter, um, destroyed you know, nearly $30,000 worth of vaccines and equipment and, um, and, and things like that. So, you know, we, we started off on a really rough foot. Um, the community was incredible and everyone came together and, you know, of course we came out on top and all of our animals were, were perfectly fine. No one was harmed, but, you know, it was just a, a rough feeling to start out the year that way. And y'all were just beginning to recover from that a little bit when the pandemic, is that right? We were, absolutely. What, what were yep. the plans? Were there any other plans in place y'all were working on before the pandemic? We had lots of plans for this year. You know, our, our volunteer program was really um, a main focus for the year, which was, was put on hold. You know, we didn't feel comfortable having, having volunteers come in during the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, that was a big challenge for us. We try to focus on one particular thing a year, and that was supposed to be our, our year for volunteers. So we quickly had to regroup from there and, and start focusing on, on different programs. And of course, the dog park continues to be, was that affected by the pandemic at all? Or? It's been affected by the, uh, by the work. You know, a lot of it was being done in-house through roads and bridges and, and different crews here. So a lot of that has been affected. You know, those, shift, those guys have gone to separate shifts as well. Um, unfortunately, we had really bad weather. So a lot of the rain, you know, washed away some of the roads and, and different projects kind of had to take a priority. So um, our, our group has done as much of the work as they can do. And right now we're just sitting waiting on a bid. So we're really excited about that as well. Do you have any sort of guesstimate when it can get finished and open yet? As soon as we get that bid. It's already been out there, so we're just looking on a, uh, for a contractor that will be able to come in and, and complete the work at this time. And for people who don't know what we're talking about, remind them about the dog park. Some people still have, it's been so long yeah. they've forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So our dog park is attached to the facility here at Paws. It's going to have 10 separate play areas for our dogs, and it will have an amphitheater for events, you know, birthday parties, doggy yoga, hopefully movies in the park, you know, things like that once life gets to back to normal. Um, and then we'll have a really great um, trail as well, so a big walking trail out here where people can just come, enjoy, exercise, um, bring their own pets to, to play and get out. So it's going to be a great community area. It'll be a, a great way for people to come in, to socialize with our dogs, to see what they're like, to spend time with them in a, in a very safe setting. So we're really excited. So you're just starting to recover from the break-in and the community <laughs> stepped up and helped and then the pandemic hit. What, what happened at Paws once that kicked in? That was tough, you know, when we have 200 animals in the facility and we only have a, a limited number of staff. And so we immediately split our staff in half and went to A shift and B shift. Uh, you know, we're one of those facilities that cannot close. You know, we have animals here 
seven days a week. So we have to have staff in here making sure those animals' needs are met every single day. So we really kind of refocused on our foster program. And that was remarkable this year. The number of people that were at home, which is a great excuse as to why people can't adopt is because they're not going to be home. Um, so now with the pandemic, people were stuck at home. They had plenty of time to come in and, and take on our, our dogs and cats as fosters. And so once again, the community stepped up and just really poured into the shelter to take these dogs and cats into their homes to foster them for us so that our staff didn't have nearly as, anim as many animals to take care of. What were some of the other challenges that were made things difficult this year? You know, a lot of the challenge has been, you know, a lot of people are unemployed. And so they've been reaching out for assistance. And typically with an animal shelter, it's, hey, I need to turn my animal in. I can't afford it. And we, we have always been very proactive, you know. And so our, our first response is, hey, how can we help you keep your dog or cat? You know, we don't want those animals. They're already in a home. They're already loved. They're already be ta being taken care of. So we've, we really focus on what can we do that will allow you to keep your dog or cat. So we have, you know, our food bank has grown more than ever. Our assistance program has grown. So if they have medical needs that they can't afford, you know, we're, we're happy to help with those if possible. Um, we've provided kennels. We started a, a dog house program this year um, to provide dogs with, with shelter and straw in order to keep them warm. You know, just, just really pouring into our community any of those resources that they may need during this time to be able to keep their pets. So this year we took in um, over 5,500 animals. So that, that's pretty close to where we were last year as well. Um, a lot of those were spay neuter surgeries and community cats too. So we did over 3,900 surgeries, which is pretty amazing given everything that was going on. So that's between 30 and 50 surgeries a day and we've only been doing surgery three days a week right now. So um, our, our surgical team is pretty amazing. And then we did um, 1,400 adoptions as well. We sent over 700 animals into rescue and 380 were returned to their owners. So those numbers are, are really remarkable. Our donation numbers continue increasing. So we got almost $130,000 in cash donations this year, and we've seen that number climb every single year. You know, the community realizes that we're here and how much we're helping, and they really want to give back too. So it, it's been a really remarkable program. Um, I'm just really proud to be here for our fourth year and just to see our numbers continuing to climb and increase. And, you know, we were able to save 94% of the animals that came into our facility this year. And that to me, on top of our break-in and on top of the pandemic, working with half of our staff uh, on a week-to-week week, week -week basis has just been absolutely phenomenal. And I am so proud of our community and of my staff here at the shelter as well. And those numbers like you're talking about, the 94% safe, has made this a model shelter. For, are, are other people still coming to see how y'all are doing things? They here? do, absolutely. You know, we, we still get phone calls all the time and emails and, and questions um, on, hey, how do you handle this situation? Or, you know, what do you guys do here? So, you know, it, it's, it's not easy being an open admission shelter, and there's always going to be some animals that we can't save, but we really try to save everything that we possibly can. So, you know, I want to be that role model and continue helping those shelters that are around here, um, or further that, that may be in need of assistance or just need to know kind of how our programs work. So we're really proud of, of the things that we do here at PAWS. And you mentioned earlier, I don't think a lot of people realize the day-to-day -day things y'all do here. Uh, you want to just kind of speak generally to the mission of PAWS and how y'all do have to feed and take care of and just day-to-day -day animals. Yeah. I think people think of it as a place where people drop off animals, people pick yeah. up animals. 
Can you talk a little bit about all the things y'all actually do here as a service to the community? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we are open seven days a week. Animal control works seven days a week as well, and they're on call. So they do bring in animals every single day. You know, for the public, we do make them um, make appointments to bring animals in unless they're injured. And that allows us to sort of know what our, our um, income will be, our population will be for the day or for the year. So we, you know, every animal has to be fed, cleaned, um, all of the dogs go outside to play every single day. That gives them time to get out, to exercise. It uh, gives us really good information on those dogs. What play style do they have? Do they like men or women or male dogs or female dogs? So that makes, uh, gives us more information to make them more adoptable. Um, so, you know, everybody's fed twice a day. They get dry food, canned food. They get enrichment. Um, they get treats, toys, blankets. You know, so there's a, an endless pile of laundry and cleaning to do. Um, you know, then we are open for adoptions three days a week right now as well. So it's noon to five, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So, you know, we can't close to the public because we have to have a way to get animals out because they're continuously coming in. Um, so, it, you know, it's not just one of those, you just come in and throw them some food and walk out. So, you know, the staff has, has really worked hard. I know that a lot of them are really tired. I know it's been difficult. We've had staff out either sick or in quarantine as well for the past year, you know, on and off. So it's, it's definitely had its struggles and, you know, we, they just proved to me time and time again how tough my staff is, how resilient they are, and how much they love these animals by showing up every single day to do what's right by them and to find them loving homes. How can the community help? What can they do to help y'all during this time? The biggest thing that we're always in need of is donations, whether those are cash donations or blankets and towels or dog food and cat food. You know, that plays a big role in our food bank. Um, we always can take dog houses. There are always people out there in, in need of that as well. You know, so those are really some of the big things. I'm hoping that now with the vaccine uh, becoming available that we'll be able to bring our volunteers back in and be able to get them back to our enrichment programs and, and helping with things like that. Um, but those are always our biggest needs right now. That and, of course, foster homes. Those help us tremendously as well. And you said that the community have been supportive. Has, have you had good community support and good support from council and government? Stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it, it always amazes me whenever I ask for something or, or tell them that we have a need. Um, you know, council is always supportive. They step right up and, and make it happen. And, you know, it just shows how much they also love animals and care about this community. You know, we are the animal shelter, but we're also here to support the people in this community and give back and allow them to take care of their animals. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that about a shelter in general. What's the best place for people to find out the most up-to-date information, how they can help, what, what y'all's needs are, what y'all are doing? Yep, so Anderson County, um, just check out on our website. That's the easiest way to get in touch with us. We don't have a, a telephone right now that we have staff answering. And then you can always email us at pawsrescue at andersoncounty.org. And that's the easiest way to get in touch with us. I have five or six staff members that, that answer those emails, and we're, we're pretty quick getting back. So that's always the easiest way to check out what we may need or, or when we're available. You know, a, a huge thank you to everyone this year. I know it's been very challenging and very difficult um, and I'm just proud of our community and, and everyone that has stepped up and I'm so thankful for for the support and love that you guys have poured out to, to the shelter and to my staff as well. We couldn't do it without all of you. Since she's taken over out at Paws, they've done some remarkable things and, and they really are. People flying from all over the country to look at the model. It's become essentially a zero kill animal shelter and um, People have flown in, again, like I said, from across the nation to see how they do it and to try to learn more about it. And she's spoken at a lot of places to explain that to them. 
you can don't forget too. You can see the Paul's Pets of the Week that are available weekly in the Anderson Observer news from people you trust. Uh, just go there and click on the pets, and you'll be able to see pictures of them and, and descriptions of the pets. You can also see a roundup of the weekly uh, activity at Paul's and what's going on there. This week also had some good news with the announcement of another national fishing tournament coming to Green Pine. Green Pine Landing out there in Hartwell Lake uh, have hosted three Bassmaster Classics and six bass. A six major bass events so far, and the estima, estimated economic impact of the area has been more than $60 million, and this is going to be another big one, um, and we're really happy to see that coming here. Uh, Green Pond is also under expansion, and it's part of Phase 2. The, there's new expanded dock areas, a new dock going in, and, of course, the amphitheater that's under construction. All that should be finished by spring, and, again, all that's being paid for with money from the, uh, the PCB settlements that... Um, were from the pollution of our lake by by um, local textile mills. Uh, and if you're a procrastinator, a procrastinator or just hate to see the holidays be gone for good, there's still time to drop off your Christmas tree that's dying in your den. Uh, any of the Anderson County Convenience Centers will offer places to dispose of these trees, which will be used by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers as fish attractors in Hartwell Lake. And finally, some more good news. It's always good to end up with more good news. Uh, over the past few weeks, the Milltown Players and the Market Theater Company each received $49,788.09 from the South Carolina CARE Act's funding. Um, interesting amount. Both theaters, along with the rest of the arts community, that have really been struggling since being shut down for nearly 10 months now. Um, it's really good use of that, that arts money and for the economy because it really makes a difference in quality of life arts community and when when companies are coming here especially from other countries they want to know what the arts scene is like and it's important to support that our arts community here all the way around have run on skeletal budgets for a long time and continue to do so and this past year has been even more difficult since they had to call off essentially their entire season and they're hoping to begin coming back with some more creative ways or other ways of doing things here in the uh in the months and weeks ahead. In the months and weeks ahead, don't forget to continue to support our local businesses, especially our uh, local restaurants, which are, are still struggling. Uh, I applaud the ones that are still cleaning and, and taking all precautions with distancing and other things. Um, all of our local businesses, though, you can look them up online. Try to, try to spend as much money as you can with them. I know there's some things you just can't get from local businesses necessarily, but many things we can, and that's particularly true of restaurants. So if you're looking for trying to think of some place to eat before you immediately think of the chain stores, think about some of our locally owned places. And one of those locally owned places is Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which has been a sponsor of the Anderson Reserver podcast, News from People You Trust, for many years now. We appreciate Sullivan's not only for their sponsorship, but also for providing the best fine dining experience you can have anywhere. They are consistently rated in one of the, as one of the top 100 restaurants in the United States. And that's right here in South Carolina. There's only two from South Carolina that ever make that list. It's Sullivan's and somebody down in Charleston. People routinely drive from Charlotte, Atlanta, Greenville to eat at Sullivan's because what they offer is a fine dining experience you can't match anywhere else. And they've had a really tough year. They've managed to keep all their employees in, in, uh, working. And, uh, and Bill Nicholas, who came here, Bill and his wife, Sabra, who died a year ago, uh, came here to Anderson to downtown when nobody wanted to locate downtown and built an incredible place. And this past year has been a real challenge and struggle for them. Uh, you can imagine how catering, which was a real 
big part of their business has suffered. So go to Sullivan's. They're open for lunch every day. I recommend on this cold weather, you cannot get a better lunch than the open face pot roast sandwich at Sullivan's. Most people don't think about home cooking from Sullivan's, but it's right there. Their burgers are as good as you're going to get anywhere. And maybe, I don't think you can get a better burger in Anderson than you can get at Sullivan's. They have a great Reuben. I'm talking about the lunch menu now. You can tell I ate lunch there a lot. Uh, their dinner menu has, of course, their signature dishes, uh, their trigger fish, their pork chops, their, uh, their steaks, just anything you could want for fine dining. And if you have a special occasion come up, coming up, call Sullivan's. It's a good idea to make a reservation at night and tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer podcast. News from people you trust. And that will do it for this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Join us next time for the latest in community news, events, and stories. And until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. The shelves are all And the world is holding its breath like we're all running out of air. Don't know where we're going But if the going gets rough We've got each other And for now that's enough It's the first in this lifetime may not be the last but I remember what my grandmama said she said this too shall pass we don't know where we're going but if the going gets rough we've got each other Now that's enough We've got each other And for now that's enough